the occult body, the auras and the chakras. The occult body is a field of attention. A human being is composed of various parts. The physical body, the subtle physical body, or the etheric body, the occult body, the psychic body, the mind, the ego, the life force, and of course, the jiva or the soul, or what they call in Buddhism the anatman, that eternal spark, which is the ultimate perceiver or non-doer. The occult body is not a body in the sense that it has a shape. It's shapeless. The occult body is a field of attention. It's an avenue of awareness. It's a wind tunnel that connects the different realities. Now, certainly there are what we call occult bodies. It is possible to create these occult bodies. They're extensions of your own bodies. And we call them allies or helpers, an advanced spiritual aspirant is capable of creating many different bodies and can utilize these bodies to help them in aiding others in their liberation. But the occult body, more than anything, is a field of awareness. You might say it's a way of being. The occult body is power, but power that is not directed in an obvious manner. The word occult means hidden, that which is unseen. There are various forms of spiritual practice. Naturally, in some forms of spiritual practice, we see that which is apparent when someone loves God, is truthful, is kind to others, compassionate. We can see what appears to be the cause and effect. But the occult body is part of the realm of mysticism. And it works through the occult fields. Just as there are different radio frequencies... There's short wave, long wave, television, microwave. So in the cosmos, there are different planes of awareness, different frequencies of being. Some of these frequencies don't relate to human beings at all. Some do. The principal planes, of course, that relate to human beings are the physical plane, 
which is, of course, part and parcel of the physical body, what they call the vital plane, or the plane of energy, the life force. The mental plane, or the plane of thought and ideation. The plane of self, the sense of self, the ego, the I. The occult plane, which is the plane of mysterious power, effect without cause. And of course, the psychic plane, which is the plane of beauty and psychic oneness and awareness. And finally, the superconscious, the undifferentiated pure light of being from which all things come forth and to which all things return. The occult plane is neither good nor bad, neither emotional nor unemotional. It's an expression of pure intensity. If we go down to the beach on a cloudy, stormy night when the wind is blowing, and there's a tremendous gale wind, and the white caps are foaming, and the winds are rising, and everything is swept by that wind. The surf pounds the sand. That intensity, that tremendous, awesome power, is similar to the occult reality. The occult reality is a place of force and power. Many different beings live in the occult world, but the occult world is not a world for the lightweight. By that I mean that the occult world is a world of warriors. It's a world of power. Survival of the fittest, I suppose you might say, in a, in a way. The beings in the occult world help some people in their spiritual evolution. But very often, they destroy people. The occult reality is like a wild jungle. And to go into that jungle, you have to be very strong. You'll be dealing with untamed tigers and lions and elephants and all kinds of things. So unless you're very confident of your power, it's not a good, it's a good place to stay out of. Many people tamper with the occult. I have a number of different students who have in this life and in other lives practiced witchcraft and different forms of uh, lower, what I would call lower occultism. And when you practice lower occultism, what you're doing is opening a door. Imagine that there are many doors within yourself, and they lead to different worlds, different realities. And when you open the door that leads into the occult realm, it doesn't necessarily close. 
So as you journey into the occult realm, as you explore that plane of reality, things that are in the occult plane and realm explore you. You travel through the occult plane, through this different spectrum or band of existence, in your occult body. The occult body is your extended awareness for example if I choose to I can send my occult body anywhere to any universe to any plane of existence to any place in this world and my occult body can produce effects I can gather knowledge and see it's like having a kind of a mobile video unit out there. I can communicate, transmit power, prevent things from happening, start things, all without leaving my room. I can sit here in my room and create effects without appearing to create effects. This is all done through the occult body. Now, the occult body can be used for positive things. In my case, I use the occult body to locate students, people who seek enlightenment, who I could work successfully with. Many people might seek enlightenment, but I wouldn't be of any help to them. I wouldn't appeal to them as a teacher, even though I'm enlightened. The shoe wouldn't necessarily fit. But there are many people on this earth who live in many far-flung lands, some are my students from past lives, or some have worked with other teachers, but they could work successfully with me, meaning that I can be of some service to them along their way, which is, of course, what I live in this world for. Now, for me to find those people is very difficult. The world is very big. We only have a small amount of time in any given incarnation. So how could I find those people? I could travel the world and put ads in magazines, but maybe that day they wouldn't look in the magazine. Or maybe they're just in such a state of inner slumber that the thought of meditation and self-discovery hasn't even occurred to them yet even though they have an advanced soul, they're wrapped in maya. So what I or any spiritual teacher does is to use my occult body to work for me. My occult body can be out traveling, producing effects and creating changes waking people up, giving them spiritual experiences, guiding them in some way to see a poster or an ad or something like that. People who are receptive, whom I could be of some service to. My occult body can help tremendously. And I don't have to necessarily be consciously aware of what it's doing. The mind is limited. It's a small computer, a little home computer. And it can only process a certain amount of information has a limited storage facility. 
64K. However, there are other parts of our being that can do much more. Now, the mind will not necessarily be aware of what the other parts of the being do, or will only have glimpses of it. In order to become aware of what the other parts of our being do, we must move into the superconscious. From a point high on top of the mountain, we can look down and see everything that's happening in the valley on any side. When we're in the valley, sometimes it's hard to see. Just past the next line of trees. So from a high altitude, from the superconscious, you become aware of what the many sides of your being do. Very often I use the occult body in dreaming. The occult body is the body of dreaming. And at night when I'm asleep for a few hours, I use the occult body to travel and visit, to give people spiritual experiences, to learn, or simply to have a good time, just to play, because I love to play, just to play in the occult realms. Sometimes in the occult realms I have to fight sorcerers and witches and non-physical beings that are harmful. I also have many friends who are in the occult realms, who exist in these planes, non-physical beings, who help me terrifically in what I do. We work together as a team for humanity. Very often my occult body will travel in dreaming when I'm awake. For example, I might have a student who's in, let's say, Japan, and I might be physically awake at that time. But my occult body, if my student is asleep, can enter their dreams, can converse with them, can communicate with them, teach them, or simply have fun with them. And I have literally thousands of occult bodies. Being an advanced teacher, who's been a spiritual teacher for many, many lifetimes, I've accrued the power to manifest hundreds and thousands of occult bodies simultaneously. Or you could say that hundreds and thousands of occult bodies have learned how to manifest me. Either one would be correct. So I use the occult body just for fun, to give people beautiful spiritual experiences, to help find people. In other words, to aid people in their spiritual evolution, to help them in their overall advancement. Now, the occult body can be used in other ways that are not quite so progressive. The occult body can be used to injure someone, to gain power over them, to steal their power, or to destroy them. A lower occultist, someone who practices voodoo, has learned to manipulate energies and to send their body of dreaming to do harm. Whenever I encounter such a person, I destroy them. It's like a, a psychopath who, no matter what you do or say, is bent only on doing harm to others. They do not know reason. So a person who has opened themselves up to entities, 
and has been taken over by these lower occult beings has really lost their mind and all they do is destruction. So such a person must be destroyed. In other words, when I say destroyed, I don't mean that you kill the person, but I mean that you remove their powers and you take them away. You destroy that part of them that has any affinity with that world. Very often it's necessary to actually destroy beings. I've done that many times in the occult worlds. If I see a, a negative being harming one of my friends, it's necessary to destroy it, to vaporize it. You, you can't kill it, it'll change form. But it's like destroying a virus or a bacteria, something harmful that seeks to destroy the life force in someone. You can't be emotional about these things. There is no emotion in the occult world. In the occult world, there's only power and various uses of power. And if your heart is pure, you will use that power only for the greater good of all and never to further or advance yourself. If you are impure, then you will use the power in impure ways. And a person who uses the power in impure ways will suffer tremendously. Many people practice what they call channeling. They get in touch with spirits. They communicate with non-physical beings. This is the occult. They're dabbling in the occult reality. But always remember, when you do these things, you're opening a doorway that will not necessarily close when you want it to. When you communicate with spirits and forces, you're linking your energy with theirs. And they may appear initially to you to be very progressive. They may give you interesting information. But always remember, they can see. Some of them are quite knowledgeable. And they can see what you want. They can tell what your desires are. And if they fulfill your desires, then they begin to gain control over you, over your mind. Very often we read about some lunatic in the paper going and killing someone, like the fellow who killed John Lennon, for example, or the son of Sam, as he was called in New York. And these lovely people tell us that they heard voices that told them to kill a certain person, and that they listened and they followed what the voices said. These are occult beings. These individuals were practicing occultism. Now, they may not have been part of a coven of witches, necessarily, but inwardly, they were talking to non-physical beings for a long, long time. There were transactions that occurred with them. Many of the invisible friends in childhood are not imaginary, they're actual. These beings really exist. And normally they will not have a transaction with you unless you seek them. They don't particularly like light, the lower ones. So if you meditate every day and if you're a happy, progressive person, you need never even think about the occult. You can throw this tape away. Because the occult doesn't really apply to you. And I do not suggest that you look into the occult. I had many incarnations where I worked with the occult, particularly in ancient Egypt and Atlantis and in other cycles. But occultism in those days was a high science. 
Today, occultism is your local fortune teller, uh, your witch. Uh, this is not occultism. These are people who dabble with forces that they don't understand, with powers that can destroy them and eventually will. Occultism is a beautiful art when you understand it, and it's definitely an art. It's much like ballet. It involves perfect form and movement. You have to be able to move perfectly through the occult realms. And many things will tempt you, and if you can still be tempted, then you will give in. But if you realize that the only thing that matters is light, and that that's your real essence and substance, then you're free to play with occultism, to use the higher occultism. Many of the pyramids were built with occult power. People didn't do a lot of it manually. It was all done with energy, with fields of attention. You can move the stars around, rearrange their patterns, uh, project alternate bodies to different locations, walk on air, uh, walk on yogurt. You can do all kinds of things with the occult attention. But it's definitely an attention if you want to develop your occult attention, do a lot of fasting. Fasting is very good for developing the occult attention. I don't recommend that you develop the occult attention. I'll tell you how. Because I think all knowledge is useful. Some of the knowledge that is most useful is the knowledge we never use. But occultism is a slippery path. It's a slippery mountain pass. And it's a long way down. Moving into a slightly lighter area, perhaps. The auras and the chakras. Well, the subtle physical body, which I've discussed in our tape on the subtle physical, is composed of strands of luminous light. Millions of them networked together. The subtle physical body is the body that lies just on the other side of the physical. It supports the physical. Now, the subtle physical body has a number of different junctions within itself where the strands of light that are the essence and substance of the subtle physical body connect together. We call them chakras. Most people are familiar with the seven chakras. If you open up uh, books on yoga and self-discovery, you see little paintings where they show a, what looks like an outline of a human body, and there's a line that runs from the base of the spine to the top of the head. This line is an astral tube called the shashumna, and there are two little tubes on either side, the ida and the pingala. And normally they show seven junctions, seven train stations where the trains stop. And these are the chakras. The chakra at the base of the spine is the chakra of the kundalini. The chakra around the spleen is the chakra that endows life force. Sexual energy flows through this chakra, but also creative energy. 
The chakra at the navel center, around the area of the navel, is the occult chakra. That's the chakra of occultism and is used in the production of the occult bodies and the transfer of occult power. That's the chakra that the occult body enters and leaves through when it does its work. The chakra in the center of the chest, of course, is the heart chakra, which is the central chakra. There are three above and three below. It's the center of psychic love and oneness and beauty, and it leads to the psychic planes, the higher astral. The throat chakra is connected with higher creativity and particularly spiritual vision. The chakra at the forehead, the third eye, as it's referred to, which is between the eyebrows and about an inch above, the Agni chakra, is the chakra of timelessness. When you meditate on this chakra, you'll find that it's very easy to go into a timeless state of being. It's also the chakra of the occult siddhas. Many of the powers are connected with this third eye. And the third eye also has to do with discrimination, being able to determine that which is real or unreal, just as the physical eyes show us things. So the third eye is the eye with which we see the soul. These six chakras are all connected by the Shashimna, the Ida, and the Pingala. But the top chakra, the crown center, or the thousand-petal lotus of light, as it's called, is not connected to the other chakras. It's separate. And that's the chakra of the superconscious awareness. Each chakra is a floor in a building, a doorway to a floor in a building. There's seven floors. And if you meditate on each chakra, you will have different experiences. There are other chakras. There are chakras in the hands, in the palms of the hands, and in the fingertips. The chakras in the palms of the hands can be used for manipulating what they call the shakti. Shakti is the kundalini energy when it's taken outside of the body and transferred from one person to another. We call that shakti. It's very easy to move the kundalini in the form of shakti through the chakras in the hands, and bring it into people, either by physically touching them, you can put your hand on their body and transfer the energy, or just shoot it out. That's what you'll see me do very often when I meditate, and I'm doing what they call the mudras. I raise my hands and hold them in different positions. I'm not simply moving my hands on a physical level, but let's say that on a subtle physical level, I'm moving energy, fields of energy, through everyone who I'm meditating with in a variety of different ways. The chakras in the fingertips and in the hands are connected with healing. The healing energy, which comes from the second chakra primarily, what we call the spleen chakra, the chakra of generation and regeneration, will move through the hands. And it's amplified by the chakras in the hands if they're open. It increases the power of that healing energy. There are many chakras, hundreds of them, in different places in the body, in the subtle physical body. There are some very strong chakras in the feet, 
And as you progress in your meditation, you'll gradually become more and more aware of the different chakras in your being. Some people feel that they should spend their time meditating on the chakras. I really don't think so. I think it's a great waste of time for most people to meditate on the chakras. Because when you meditate on a chakra, you're fixing. I will take exception to the heart chakra or occasional chakra meditation. If you meditate and start your meditation each day by meditating on the heart chakra, you'll have a very progressive, beautiful meditation. It'll bring you into the higher psychic planes, which will bring purity into your being and love and light. Occasionally, it's fun to meditate on some of the other chakras. But I'm suggesting that you should not spend your whole meditation focusing on the chakras, because it's a bit of a fixation. Spend maybe 5 or 10 minutes or 15 minutes at the beginning of, let's say, a 45-minute meditation session meditating on the chakras. And then after you've done that, stop. Stop focusing on the chakra. Now just feel light, feel love, ignore your thoughts, and let go. If you fixate on the chakras too long, you'll develop certain powers. You'll open certain doorways to other worlds. But very often you'll create more problems for yourself than you'll solve. If the powers come prematurely, they can be very painful. It's necessary for your body, your being, to become purified through meditation and through self-giving and by associating with the holy, by persons who practice advanced forms of spirituality, and by wanting that more than anything you'll gradually become pure, meaning you'll lose your lower motives. You'll care more for the welfare of others than you care for yourself. When you've reached this level of attention, when this is the way you feel, then you'll find that the chakras will open by themselves. Also, the chakras are, to a certain extent, superfluous, in the sense that you can open up all of the chakras and not attain liberation. The chakras are access points. They're gateways to other worlds. But liberation really has nothing to do with these access points. Liberation means we've gone beyond the access points into pure light itself. So don't make gods out of the chakras. The chakras are places of joining together. They're meeting places. And each one has a power, and that power will work on its own. It's not necessary for you to associate certain colors with the chakras and memorize the yantras or mantras that go with them and all this sort of stuff. All this pragmatic knowledge won't really do much for you. It may make you feel better in a superficial sense. But what you really need is the knowledge of pure bliss and oneness, which will come when you stop thought. When you meditate and you stop all thought, time goes away, the world goes away, life goes away, death goes away, and there's nothing but a big smile, nothing but eternal joy. You can meditate on the chakras for hundreds of years and not achieve that. The chakras are useful. They're like an automobile. The auto will take us from one place to another. But the auto has its limitations. It can't fly. It can't talk to us. It can't give us a foot rub at least not the models I've seen. So don't 
be overwhelmed by the chakras. The chakras are like the organs in your body. When your body is healthy, they function properly and efficiently. You don't have to think about your heart or your lungs or your liver. If your body is healthy, if you're in good condition, then everything functions perfectly. To keep everything functioning perfectly, you have to attune yourself to light and love and humor. Then the chakras will work the way they're supposed to. But if you fixate on the chakras, very often you can enlarge them in a way of speaking. It's hard to put this into words. But imagine that you made your heart too big for your chest. It would be very painful. You developed one leg much more than you did the other. You'd be imbalanced. So people who meditate too much on the chakras very often create an imbalance, not in the chakras themselves. The chakras won't exactly get larger or smaller. But let's say that the chakras are fields of attention, fields of awareness, and you're formed by these fields of awareness. And the fields of awareness are in a certain balance. There's a certain structure. It's like the DNA. Now, when you start to mess around with that balance, you're messing around with the structure of your being. If you don't know what you're doing, you can get yourself in a lot of trouble. If you do know what you're doing, you won't do anything. You'll let eternity do everything. It's fun to try meditating on the chakras a little bit. Meditating on each chakra will not hurt you, don't misunderstand me. I'm simply suggesting that people who meditate on the chakras every day for several hours a day, let's say on the same chakra, day after day, month after month, unless it's the heart chakra, or any of the higher chakras really, but if you're meditating on the navel chakra or the two lower chakras for excessive periods of time, you will bring energies and forces into yourself that are very strong and very powerful, but not necessarily very pure and happy. You can fall into deep depressions, be filled with frustration, anxiety. It's fine to meditate occasionally, meditate for a few minutes each day in your navel center or in one of the other centers, but to spend hours and hours on the chakras will produce effects, but those effects cannot necessarily be erased very quickly. If you open the doorways to the lower astral, then you'll find these beings will seek you out. They'll come to you in dreams. And many of them are terribly unpleasant. I've had people come up to me and say, Oh, Rama, can't you help me? I'm being followed by these entities. They're in my dreams. They're controlling my life. They're taking over my body. Now, I'm sympathetic, certainly. And I always try and do what I can for them. Which is, of course, limited by how much they really want to be helped. If they say take them away outwardly, but they are still intrigued and want to hold on to them inwardly, there's not a whole lot anybody can do. And while I feel sorry to these people for a certain, to a certain extent for having gotten involved, at the same time I realize it was they who got themselves involved. The entities don't come and just take someone over. Some part of you has to want that. And if that's what happens, then there'll be an effect for that want. The auras are the colors of the subtle body, and they're strikingly beautiful. Once again, people want to figure it all out. They want to say, well, gosh, if I see this color, it means this, or this color means this. Not necessarily. The auras, the colors of the aura, which are the reflections of the subtle physical body, or the outskirts of the subtle physical body, don't necessarily have meanings any more than different planets have meanings. You can go to Mars or Jupiter, Jupiter and 
perhaps Venus or Mercury. And what is the meaning of the planet as opposed to another planet? Well, there, the term doesn't really apply. It's a, kind of an incorrect way to look at it. A planet is what it is, and you can have different experiences there. But it doesn't necessarily have a meaning as opposed to or separate from another planet. So the colors of the aura are connected with different spectrums, different bands of awareness. The color of the superconscious is gold. Not a dull gold, but a very shiny, beautiful light gold. Light blue or blue is the color of the vastness or infinity. It suggests the very advanced state of consciousness. Red, of course, is obviously the color of spiritual transformation and power. Green is usually connected with renewal. When you usually see green in someone's aura, it suggests that they're accessing a lot of newness. They're making some changes in their life that are connecting with them with the newness of life. The chakras emanate or support the auras. The chakras are the power vortexes. But don't spend too much time worrying about what color your aura is or what color somebody else's aura is. Because the auras change color constantly. As you cycle in and out of different levels of consciousness, the auras change. But if you meet an enlightened person, you will see, if you have the ability to see on a subtle physical level, you will see a beautiful golden light around them. Oh, you may see many other things, uh, purples, magentas, violets, greens, blues, whites, all the colors, because all the colors are beautiful. But you'll see this light gold light, this beautiful shimmering gold light, it's very hard to see at first, but as you develop your sensitivity, you'll see that it's everywhere. It's like a giant net that brings forth all of the world, sustains them, and then one day takes them away. Now, I'll do an experiment with you. This is something unique. I've never done this before. Today is the 22nd of March, 1983. And I'm sitting here in my home. It's about 12 after 8 in the evening. The sun is already set. This time and this place that I am in right now will always exist. Each moment of time exists eternally. While we move from moment to moment, the moments that we pass by always exist somewhere. So this moment will always exist. And the tape that you're listening to will remind you of this moment because it was crystallized. This tape is a photograph of this moment. Now, what I'm going to do is show you how the occult body works. I could talk to you for hours about the occult body. Or if you came and saw me meditate or went out to the desert with me, you could see it a little bit. But it's not necessary. I can show you the occult body and the influence of the occult body from where you're sitting listening. 
And that's what I'm going to do right now. Because all time is divisible. In other words, it doesn't really matter when you listen to this. If it's two days after I make the tape, if it's a hundred years hence, the occult body that I'm going to be using will be available as long as this tape is available. What I'd like you to do is just for a moment, unless you're driving an automobile, in which case you can just kind of listen along, to sit up nice and straight. Don't lie down and close your eyes. Do this now, if you would be so kind. Now what I'm going to do is reach out and touch you with my occult body. I'm not going to touch your skin or your body, but I'm going to go inside your being. You're going to feel a variety of different sensations, perhaps see something, perhaps not. But what I'd like you to do is to close your eyes. This will work best if you're alone, but it'll work anyway. And just be very still and listen to my voice. Your eyes should be closed at this point. Now what I'm doing right now, through all time, beyond time, is reaching out with the occult body. It's a body of beautiful light. And I'm reaching inside your being. And you should be able to feel me reaching right inside your being. You feel me going right up and down your spine. And I'm turning you. That is to say, I'm taking a higher level of attention and I'm spinning it inside you. And you can literally feel a shifting. Now you just listen. We're going to have a moment of silence on the tape while I do this. And you just feel what I'm doing. Now that I've done that, which is kind of preparation, I'd like you to open your eyes for a moment and just look around you. And as you look around you, I'm going to play with the colors of your room a little bit, with the intensities and the hues, the brightness. Again, if you're driving, my friend, please keep your eyes in the road. You may see some unusual things in the road, but keep your mind on your driving. Okay, moment of silence again. I'm going to play with what you see around you. Don't look too hard. Don't fixate. Don't try and look at anything. Gaze. Just relax your eyes a little bit. Just gaze. I'm not hypnotizing you. It's not necessary. I'm just reaching out with my occult body. It's sort of like in the phone ad where they say, reach out and touch someone. Here we go. Very good. So I've just changed your level of attention. I've demonstrated to you that there is no time. I've made a transference through my occult body to yours, which will help you. It will raise your energy level. 
it may heal certain parts of your being that you had problems with. You see, I, like all spiritual teachers, am always available. Whether we're in the body or out, there's always someone here if you reach out to us to help you. We're beings of light, as are you. It's just that we're conscious of it and we can use that light a little more strongly. You'll be able to do that one day too. But this simple demonstration of power is to show you about the occult. It's very difficult to talk about. I find it much easier to show you. You'll notice at the end of this tape that you will feel very, very different than, than you did in the beginning. Also, one last thing I'll do for you. This is an unusual tape, I admit. The next time you go to sleep, or within the next few times, if you would like that to happen, I will visit you in dreaming. If you listen to this tape, particularly before you fall asleep, or as you fall asleep, it'll help you synchronize your being with mine. And I'll visit you in dreaming, and I'll tell you some interesting things about yourself. And maybe I'll take you flying with me in the other realms. You see, as an occultist, I have nothing that I can tell you. As a spiritual teacher, I can tell you a great deal. But when I practice occultism, higher occultism, when I help you gain enlightenment through that, there's very little I can say. I can show you, but I don't have much that I can say. And as I'm talking right now, again, of course, I'm showing you, I'm reaching out. Not through the tape. The tape is a mere medium. The tape is like a crystal. You look inside it, and you see it reflects something. It refracts it. Let us just say I'm making you aware of my occult body. And I'm giving you a little practical demonstration. Here, I'm going to put my finger right on the back of your neck, right there. And I'm now bringing the Kundalini energy right in through your spine from the top down. You can feel it flowing right down. Now I'm letting go. This is mysticism. And I think you've had enough for one take.